Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana, and my co-host is Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Before we begin, I want to remind you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, and one way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, podiums, megaboxes, and even concert wear. I know that many times you continue to order your products to the same people every year, but if you look at our prices, you might change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders. Please give us a chance to win your business. And as many of you know, in addition to our products, we have many videos to help educators in the classroom and on the field. This episode is coming to you from the Midwest Clinic in Chicago, Illinois. I got to sit down with nine different people over the weekend while Bobby was busy actually performing at Midwest and also chaperoning his students. So I hope you enjoy these episodes. Okay, back here at Midwest. Uh, this is Friday morning, and I'm sitting with a longtime friend of mine, Bill Leather. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. Thanks, can you, Jeff. Can you tell our audience uh, who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, my name is Bill, and I teach a uh, band at Mount Sai High School in Snoqualmie, Washington, which is about 30 miles east of Seattle, and um, in charge of the band program along with my co-director, Hannah Mori. And yeah, we have a good time teaching band out there. I got a chance to see your jazz ensemble last year? Or two year years before? ago. Two years ago here yeah. at Midwest. And they were they're pretty much the new standard for me whenever I go watch a jazz band. Thanks, man. It was awesome. Appreciate that. Um, I thought we could sit down today and talk about one of your fortes. And the reason you moved actually to this school, I imagine, mm-hmm. is the, the jazz program there. And you said you had some good ideas of uh, something to share. Yeah. So I think uh, a lot of people don't necessarily think about um, the best approach to the second jazz band, um, which is crucial to the success of the first jazz band, in my opinion. Um, and I think that that goes with any sort of musical ensemble. If you focus a great deal of attention and, and care, uh, not that you shouldn't do that with your top group, of course, but with the second and third bands, the freshman bands, the younger kids and setting them up for success in a certain, um, you know, certain area of your program like jazz band. Uh, a lot of the work for the top band takes care of itself because you're just approaching it in a, in a more detailed and, and thoughtful way. So just wanted to share some thoughts about second band approach and especially programming and literature and approaches to uh, improvisation, especially because that's really what what the music, the jazz playing jazz music is all about for me is, is speaking the language and, and getting to a level that um, kids feel comfortable getting up and improvising and, and finding ways that they they can express themselves that way through the music because anybody can play music that's on the page but you want to get to a certain level where the kids feel comfortable across the, across the board stepping up and improvising so, so just to be clear when you say second band um could be somebody's third band but it's be, basically yeah. your your intro right level yeah yeah. Band, yeah so the kids that are are not quite ready for the top band yet um, students that, that need more development, um, that, that might still be foreign to approaching jazz music, either stylistically or, or even just from a sound standpoint. How do we make those types of sound on our instruments? Um, so for me, the big thing is like 
finding the best literature that involves standard tunes of the repertoire. So there's a great resource called learningjazzstandards.com um, that gives you lead sheets. So if, if somebody's wondering, what, what, do you, what do you mean by a jazz standard? Well, that's one way to look, look for it. You can just Google that, learningjazzstandards.com. But then there's great publishers happening uh, with great music all over the place. I mean, especially Alfred Publishing is coming out with great, awesome arrangements of standard tunes. And what it allows you to do is, is you have this new arrangement of, let's say, um, like Drift In by Herbie Hancock, which is a 32-bar form, and it's in the same key as the original. Um, and then you can, you can teach the tune for the melody by ear to everybody. You can have, there's lots of recordings of those tunes, if, the, if it's a standard that you can access um, throughout time from um, early stages of, of when that tune was played. And then you, you can access professionals playing it so that the kids really have an opportunity to hear what it's like for a professional to play that tune. And then also how they're approaching the improvisation. And for me, teaching students by ear and making sure that they're they're approaching the music in the way that it was intended rather than just reading music on a page really gets them to a different level and when you're so on, on a tune like that they could they could find 30 different yeah groups that have recorded it and, yeah, yeah and and when you when you like for example drift in by herbie hancock um freddie hubbard solo on that tune is is very approachable for a, a young musician, um, it's very it's very melodic because that's a lot of what Freddie's playing was was very melodic. So they're able to take that one chorus of, of solo that he did and learn it by ear, do some singing on it, and then directly apply that to their instrument. And it doesn't matter if it's a, a saxophone player, if it's a bass player, everybody can learn the solo. And then they're really speaking the language of a great player like Freddie Hubbard cool. and then putting that into the music. Otherwise, it's kind of sterile. You know, you're right. looking like an, approaching it like sight reading a concert band piece or something like that. Yeah, and then additionally, in addition to standards, <clears throat> there's also a lot of uh, publishers that are now doing contrafacts um, of standards. So um, I think it's Kendor right now that has some great arrangements of changes. So like Autumn Leaves changes, but somebody's arranged a new melody on top of it. So then. In addition to being able to study the new melody and how that harmonically functions with the changes, you also have the ability to, again, access thousands of recordings of great artists, Miles Davis, Cannonball, any artist that that's, ha, has a standard recording of that tune. And then you can do what I was just talking about. Again, how did Miles play this tune? Okay, And then we can apply that. We can learn by ear. We can learn the original melody by ear, even though the contrafact has a different melody. So there's just... M multiple opportunities for students to really engage in in the art of learning by ear and then applying it directly to the music and learning it the way that the music should be learned which is not just reading it on a page but using the ears and, and engaging in the style and the sound of professionals so do you wait to hand out music in that sort of situation yes yeah that's cool yeah we just listen first sing the melody play a little bit of the melody and really getting it internalized from a singing standpoint first, because most students don't think they can do that, but everybody can, everybody can sing, everybody can, can get the music internalized, even if it's not good at first, but the, like with anything, the more you do it, the better you get. And if you find melodies that are accessible for students from a standard, uh, from a standard uh, 
from the standard rep, you know, it's that approach is is so good. Singing, 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 matching what you hear, and then also singing the the improvised solo of a professional, matching what you hear, and then eventually it just it it'll come out of the horn because it's internalized. Now, do, when you approach uh, soloing with with your younger groups like that, do you encourage them to write out their solos, or is it all? Do you want them just it to be slightly different every time? Like, yeah, some sometimes I think, especially when kids are are new to it. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of a lot of people about this, and I think it's okay to do that um, in certain situations, especially if that's the way they feel comfortable at first, getting to the point where they can they can get something written out. It, and it's also an opportunity to learn other things like music, writing out music notation. And then also when you write something out, then you can analyze what's happening. Okay. How does that fit with what's going on harmonically so that they can see it? So I would say it's not the only approach that I would like students to take. There's lots of different ways, but it is one thing that kids can access um, when they're first learning improvisation. Um, so last year I was, I had the opportunity to Andy cook who had a hip surgery last year. And so I had maybe the first month and a half of his jazz band. And, um, you know, so he had prepared all this music for me. I was able to just kind of walk in and, and, and teach. Uh, but, um, one thing I appreciated when he was kind of picking out the charts to talk about standards is there was something that was a swing kind of thing. There was a rock kind of beat. Mm-hmm. There was a Latin kind of feel. Um, but there were times where I was like, I don't, I don't think this group can learn all those feels at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? So we would spend a couple of days on the swing stuff, uh, before we moved on to the other one again, because mixing the mixing back and forth was really hard for this young group. Yeah. For young kids, the, the swing especially is, it's like anything. They didn't grow up listening to it probably unless they have a, <laughs> a parent who was really into it and it was on all the time. So it's a, another language that is foreign to them until they listen. And that's why listening is so important, which is why going back to my first point about learning standards, because there's so many recordings of great standards by great jazz musicians, the listening accessibility is at such a high level that that's where they can dial in the language. Put you on the spot here. Last question, Bill. Um, your top jazz band, do you have any new literature that you've found that's just like smoking? Um, I'm trying to think of what we're, what we're doing this year. I mean, we always play Basie and Ellington um, yeah. just because it's, the foundation of what we want to do and and once again there's so many great recordings of that standard rep for big bands um honestly the the this is not a new chart but a, a chart that not a lot of people have played in my experience seeing it it's a really hard chart we did this performance at the western international band clinic which is a a region well it's a it's an international band clinic but it's it's hosted in seattle every year and we were invited to play this November and I picked a chart um, because I knew my drummer is really strong um, by Peter Erskine called Bulgaria and it's a, it's a really hip it's originally for his trio but Bill Dobbins arranged it for big band and it's really hard yeah. but it's very very unique and not a lot of people do it and it is out there and you can buy it um, so I would guess just give a shout out to that chart it's not a new chart but maybe new to a lot of people since not a lot of people play it cool Thanks for the advice today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Have a great clinic. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff.
Okay, we're back here in McCormick Place at the charging station. <laughs> it's quite a setup you have. You really are your top shelf. You're yeah, you know, I paid a lot for this booth. You're pirating electricity <laughs> and Wi-Fi is what you're Yeah, doing. I'm sure you're they're going to bill me later. Day pirate is what you Well, for those of you who don't know this voice, this is Scott Lang, and we go way back. And uh, Scott is just uh, one of the oldest friends of mine in the activity, and Scott... Tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, it's really hard to sum. Basically, I, I run around the country and I talk to kids about being better kids and talk to programs about being better programs. And it's by and large the luckiest job and best job on the planet. It is awesome when you come in. The yeah. energy is fantastic. Uh, kids are like they get hit by a, uh, just a hurricane all at once. Well, I just passed someone in the in the booth who saw you and said you had a tsunami of hair. And so the, <laughs> the, if I'm a hurricane of energy, yes. yours, we're both natural disasters. We are, I, well, I, I, a lot of people would agree with that, I think. <laughs> yes, we are. All right, let's get serious. Seriously, Jeff, I want to yeah, talk no to you more about joking. it. I want to talk to you about a few things, Jeff. Okay, yeah. I really do. Are you interviewing me now? I, I, I am. So, okay. Jeff, Jeff, how has, how has dynamic marching changed from what you originally envisioned it 10 years ago? It's changed a lot. Um, you know, DVDs don't exist anymore. What are they? DVD, it's like a digital video disc. You stick it in things and it plays. Video. So you're saying yeah. my eight tracks are obsolete? Yeah, yeah okay. those are way, yeah, okay. those are even more out of date. Yeah. So how is... So we so, started with that and it was just a couple of videos where it's like, here's what we do. Okay, so and the then, delivery format has changed. Yes. Okay, but beyond yeah. that, how, how has the instruction changed and how has the content of what you're teaching changed honestly there's just there's we have a lot more content in that we keep learning how to do things better in different ways and presenting that to people uh digitally you know through videos online now but honestly it's still about fundamentals so at, at its heart you know what dynamic marching was started as is still it's still at the heart of what we do is teaching fundamentals. Okay, so in the area that, give me an area of, of the marching arts that's changed the least in the last 10 years, and give me an area of the marching arts that's changed the most in the last 10 years. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, the part that's changed the least is the amount of time we spend on it. You know, it's still, even when I was in high school, it was a big time commitment, and now it's still a big time commitment. But that's not all negative because. That's kind of what brings everybody together. Well, and it, you know? it also, as a parent, you're a parent of a, of, a, of a high school student. I'm now a parent of a high school student. Is it, it fills a void. And it fills not just a time void, keeping him out of trouble, but it fills an emotional void. And it fills a social void. And, you know, for my own son, as I su suspected we went in, uh, it's not about the music for him. He just comes home and says how much he loves being around his friends. And so... I would agree the time thing. So what's changed the most in the past 10 years? I mean, visually, it's a whole different ball game. Even it's, in five years, it's yeah, a different ball it's, game. It's way harder. Um, and and you, you have to be athletically fit. You know, gone are the days where, like, any kid who just sat on the couch all day long could do marching band. We no, have, my kid's doing it, and that's what he does. Oh, he so, does? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't break anything. <laughs> he's in the pit, so you know okay, we're, we're yeah, going to survive. He's good. Do they make <laughs> no them, slight against the pit. Do they make them wear helmets when they're unloading the trailer? Only my son. Okay. <laughs> Did you he's ever see that picture of my son with the helmet on the day? He, no. He got hit by a saber and his junior, no, senior year, and he got he was out with a concussion. <laughs> and so just to be a smart aleck, the day he got cleared from his concussion, he wore a hel bike helmet to practice. He truly is your child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really is. Okay. Um, Next five years, 
what's going to change the least, what's going to change the most. Okay, from a design standpoint, like I don't know how much more intricate things can get and more complicated. I hope it yeah, doesn't do. get more. It, it, maybe it, it will, but it's it's like, at, where do we stop with with props and with with how much money we're spending on you know designers and program coordinators? Like there has to be a point to where your average band is like, can we just play well and march well? And so I saw that a little bit with Vandergrift this year is they did not have a really, I don't know if you saw them, but they, hey, didn't, absolutely. they didn't have like a major, uh, it wasn't super complicated and there wasn't a lot of moving pieces to their, to their uh, props. But they and still set had that, that design team that yeah. put it all together. And yeah. But it, but it, it almost, it was almost like we're going to march perfectly and we're going to play your, our butts off and it worked and that's you know? going to win always in the yeah, end you would I hope, hope so yeah well you would think so what's next for dynamic marching what what's on the horizon that you're really excited about i'm really excited about this podcast because i can sit down uh with all these people at midwest and and just pry things out of their brains and it's uh you know it's not as much uh expectation of perfection as video is so when you put out a, 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 a video really for teaching somebody something, you know, you're obsessing over every detail. And with the podcast, it's, I think it's, it's, it's been a, a lot more real and organic, organic. And, and, and it's been really fun to talk to people you know, this weekend too. Just like grabbed you out of the, out of the crowd and said, Hey, give me five minutes. So, okay. Uh, last question. And, and I don't want to leave anyone who's listening here. You know that we're not intentionally trying to leave anyone out, but maybe name a couple of people that in this profession that you really look up to and, I've worked with cadets for five years, got to meet a great, a lot of great teachers doing that. And I've worked with Carmel for 25 years. Oh my gosh, and it's been 25. Maybe even more. And, you know, I feel like, you know, we, we have a thing going in both of those groups. We've had a thing going where it's like making little teeny tiny things better every year until like you're, you're getting to the point where there's, there's so few things that like the distance between 99 and a hundred right. is like a mile wide, you know, even though it's just teeny tiny things and that's what we're working on. Okay. So to the last question, to the band director, who's in the middle of nowhere, who doesn't have the staff, who doesn't have the access to designers and programmers, but desperately wants to elevate their visual program. What would Jeff Young tell them? Well, the video that I did with Chris Catholic, who's a band director at Brownsburg High a School. Fantastic young yeah. teacher. So we did a video um, just on, you know, what do you need to do from start to finish to put, put a visual package together that works? And um, no hidden things. This wasn't like, oh, here's seven of the things we do at our programs and we're going to leave the other three for us only. It's pretty much just this is what we do from start to finish. Do these things in this order and you're going to be better. And I, I, I so always, you would rec- and they can get those resources. Yeah, dynamic on dynamicmarching.com. That's really well, and, and that one, you know, I definitely would have a young director check that out, and also be here at Midwest. Yeah, that it's critical that you, you know, whether it's through your school or your own finances, being here, being among all these people, asking questions, going to clinics, is, you can't you can't beat it. 
Yeah, there's yeah. no question about it. Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on my podcast today. I really <laughs> I think you need it. your own podcast. <laughs> well, we appreciate you doing this from one listener to one creator. Uh, we appreciate you and everything that you have done. For the folks who don't know much about Jeff's story, you know, he basically self-financed dy- dynamic marching and brought those resources as, an, as a labor of love, not a business proposition, not a way of generating revenue, but as a way of sharing content and knowledge. And everyone in this marching arts industry owes you that debt of gratitude because well, you have thanks, done an Scott. amazing job. And I have to say that if you, there are people out there who haven't brought Scott in to work with their group. You're smart. You, <laughs> you got to get on his schedule for next year because, it, no, you're, you're missing out. Hey, so. everyone, best of the New Year's to you yes. and your friends and your family. And uh, let's do this again. Okay. Thanks, right. Scott. Bye, everyone. All right. Next up here at uh, the charging station, which I have camped out at here at Midwest Clinic. We actually have some other friends sitting with us today uh, here. Enjoying their enjoying, <laughs> enjoying their lunch their break lunches. and listening to us talk about band. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually talking with Dan Berard from Grain Valley High School in Missouri. Dan and I have have some history yeah in colorado all the way through cadets yeah. so Goes, what's up dan it, well thanks for having me here we certainly go back a ways and it's been it's been great to see like our relationship has kind of been walking past each other a lot until yeah. the last maybe i don't know what about five years yeah, and then we started sure. getting a chance to teach together at the cadets and so it's been great so you know love the work that you're doing and and uh thanks for having us here uh, you know for those of you that that are maybe new to this podcast jeff is just so many great resources, such a brilliant educator and just master, master at the craft and art of teaching. So it's, it's been great to, you know, finally get an opportunity a couple of years ago to, to be on some teams together and put some things and, you know, those late night talks on the staff bus of, hey, what do you think? And so it's been Heading great. through Texas and some of the <laughs> that, hottest drum corps weather. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and it was great for, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, Jeff's son kind of joined us filled a hole for an injury one year and uh, came to the cadets. Can, and, can you and tell everybody your side of that story? And how- yeah, yeah, you know, it was it was great. So I, I had come in, I was off the road for a while and I'd come in, I'd flown into San Antonio, I think it was. Yeah, San and, and I'm in the airport and I, I see your son there and I was like, hey, you know. I know your dad. Yeah, I know your dad. Just trust me, jump in the cab. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. like you're going to the cadets. And so uh, we got to the we got to the hotel. I kind of, we kind of got him connected with you, and then I think you were jumping off the off the yeah, tour I flew out that night. That night, and so it was great to see it was great to see him jump in. If you know, if you can imagine, as as a he was a junior, I think at the time, yeah. right? Yeah. And certainly the training he's gotten in you know your home program helped out a lot. But um, he just jumped in, and if you can imagine, you know, trying to jump into a, a top drum corps at San Antonio. And, it, was really and it, it was really tough. And man, that kid just, he just put his head down and learned and dug in. And it was, it was so amazing. And I can remember uh, he finally got, I think it was about a week or 10 days later. I think he got the whole show in about 10 days. Yeah. He just worked so hard and we got him into the show. I think and it was Allentown maybe. No, it was before that. Was it, it, was, it, it was before that. I think it was like, uh, I can't remember. It's that week. Anyway. He comes off the he comes off the field after doing the first show, and it just you know I happen to be kind of right there. He's pushing a prop and and he's got this grin on his yeah. face, you know. And I was like, man, I, I've got to I've got to capture this moment and send it to Jeff. And it, it was, was really it, was, cool. it was great. And I was like, hey man, your kid just was a superstar, and it was it was so incredible to see 
you know, just a, on a personal level, you know, having shared that, you know, that that history that we have, but then watching, you know, your son just knock one out of the park, just work with such a great attitude and to jump into something like that. That was that was really something I hope you're you're proud of. It's not some something that many kids could handle. No, 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 no. It, you it know, it's really a lot. Yeah. I mean, he, he learned a lot about himself during those For sure. 14 first days, you know, yeah. by the end, you know, he had it figured out pretty good by by finals. But yeah. man, yeah. he called me a few times during that first two weeks like uh, this is so hard. Yeah. You know, and that's a it, this is I don't know. It's a really different tangent. But, you know, like a lot of people see you know, what those drum corps do. And I mean, it's, it's superhuman it, and it's superhuman if you're there on day one and learning every step of the way. And then, you know, for somebody to, to come in and just try to jump into a, you know, a, a really elite level drum corps show, you know, the third weekend of July. And it's it, like, I just, you know, and, and it happens, you know, we get every drum corps has injuries and sometimes you have alternates and sometimes you have, you know, and sometimes you don't. And he just jumped in and it was, just so amazing to see it was it was really maybe an affirmation of two things that I thought Jeff you know one is one is you know you and and as a father and bringing up your kids he's a great kid and then two you know the program that he was you know he's fortunate to be a part of and the training that he gets every day from master teachers and then three just like that the level of courage that it took for that kid to come in and just be like yeah I'm I'm gonna put myself in this position and I know it's gonna be brutal and it's going to challenge probably everything I know about myself. But man, it was just one of those, like as an, as an educator, you know, not, not even knowing you and him and, you know, but as a teacher, just seeing someone just like jump into the deep end of the pool and figure it out and thrive as an educator. It's just one of those things you're just like, well, yeah, yeah. that's the gig. The that's the gig right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we don't have to worry about the future, uh, you know, of that kid is gonna is just got it so it was so you know that that's maybe really different than maybe what we were planning to talk about but it was it was one of those things where it's like it's just it's such a great like little little capsule of of some of the great stuff that happens you know through this well I know that uh, one of my I don't want to say mountaintop experiences but one of my most memorable things was being able to present here at the Midwest Clinic and I know you got a chance to do that on Wednesday of this week and yeah I just wanted to hear a little bit about what that was like for you and, and what you talked about in your clinic. Yeah, th- well, thanks, thanks. It, it truly was an honor. So I, I've developed a session over you know the last couple of years and I've just basically just kind of come out of some discussions that I've tried to have. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in a position and have the support of Yamaha Master Educators Program behind me. And so I've been, been able to go out and talk to teachers about some things that I'm really passionate about. And one of them was, the, the session was titled Developing Independent Musicians Through Collaborative Rehearsal. and Really, the, the session is something that's pretty near and dear to my heart um, about uh, how do we go about not just preparing the piece, but preparing the person and maybe shifting the balance of power a little bit from kind of the director centric model where all of the information comes from the podium and that's it and play the piece to, you know, really getting the, the, the members in the ensemble to be the ones that own their own education and their own experience and provide information and feedback and can develop themselves uh, as as musicians and as people instead of solely as performers. You know, I think a lot of times we, the, the performance side of what we do is so publicly, you know, there, it's just out there. And I think that's what people understand. So, so much of the effort and energy and focus of maybe a lot of band programs and, and certainly 
I don't know that it's maybe done intentionally or unintentionally or with malice intent or whatever, but you know, we, what we know is the performance and everybody can kind of relate to, well, it's F sharp, you know? And so when it's not F sharp, everybody knows. And, but some of those other things, I think, you know, what I would say maybe backing up is, is that maybe sometimes puts us in a position as band directors where we're only teaching the piece and the performance and we're not teaching the skills that allow us to play that piece or any piece, you know, like I, I may have taught, you know, whole second suite instead of I've developed musicians who are capable of playing the whole suite and just flipping that switch a little bit so that um, it, it's really a little bit more student-centered model that their voices are, are more engaged in the room and are they, they helping each other as well as yeah. just, just knowing how to practice better on their own? Is yeah, that part well, of it too? Yeah, there was, there was, there's three big parts from, from my session. And one is just kind of an overarching framework, I think, of what our rehearsal is for and what the environment is. You know, and if we, if we, take, if we just kind of consider for a second, you know, the vast majority, whatever the, the vehicle is, whether it's jazz band or marching band or concert band or sixth grade brass class or whatever, our students are going to spend the overwhelming amount of their time and their experience in music in a quote unquote rehearsal environment versus a performance environment. Yet most of our instructional strategies are geared towards, you know, that 25 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever that they're on the stage. And to me, that just seemed, it just seemed after kind of started thinking about it, it just seemed a little odd that we spend so much of our time and energy focused on something that takes up such an unbelievably small part of their experience. And that's not to discount you know, like really high quality performance is still really important, but hopefully what's maybe equally as important is what they know about the music and what they understand about the composition or themselves or, you know, musicality or expression so that the very next time we come to a piece that calls for that concept or skill set or, you know, technique issue or whatever, they've got a framework where they can apply instead of I have to micromanage every you know, nuance of the piece. And, and, and I'm I, just staring at you saying, yeah. okay, what do I do now? And, yeah. and it's really, it's really become about trying to move students from being just compliant receivers of information. You know, a lot of our, you, you get up there and I've, I'm guilty of it. You know, it was, you know, I've got my rehearsal plan and it is, let's go. The bell just rang, you know, let's, I got, I got 50 minutes, let's go. Um, and, and, and band students, you know, I, I think, that's kind of, you know, that's part of it. It's part of like the, the experience and they're, you know, they want to play well. And it's a, it, so there's a protocol for how musicians function together. But a lot of times it's the information going one way and they're just, they are compliant. And I think, you know, sometimes we get into situations, especially when it's really like, it's solely performance focused, that I don't know that students come into rehearsals all the time wanting, you know, expecting to make music or have a discovery maybe about a nuance or even themselves they just maybe don't want to hear their name in rehearsal today you know whether it's a marching band like i just i just don't want to be out of step and have the biz staff you know great well that's a that's i don't know that that's a really holistic way to view like hopefully what kids are getting out of what we're doing so so there's three parts is what is the framework you know do i do I want to have opportunities for kids, you know, or at whatever level to be involved in that process? And, and maybe being a little bit more patient in the short term for some longer term things. And the second thing was then, you know, knowing that 
what we do in terms of giving feedback and fixing the ensemble and providing that pathway for students is a big part of what we do from the podium is how can we shape our feedback so that it's not just a laundry list of the mistakes they just made, but maybe providing them some opportunities to fix themselves and, and discover what some of the solutions are by being a little bit more patient and kind of allowing them to come to the answers themselves. And a lot of times those are much more meaningful. And then the third part of it was like some real specific like student to student strategies and how we've worked to kind of engage our students themselves in rehearsals and, and being collaborative in terms of helping each other out and fixing issues and not just from like a section leader who, you know, is, is teaching our freshmen on, you know, horns up does is this it's you know hey that was great you know the articulation and, and being able to like really give them targeted things to listen evaluate and provide information to their peers on and so that's kind of what it was it, you know and it was a great experience it was nerve-wracking as, uh, yeah. as you can imagine I know you've done it and, and no much no matter how much you prepare for it like you yeah. they start reading the intro and you're like oh god there's people everywhere yeah. you know so it the amount of preparation that Bobby and I did one together yeah, and, and it was spectacular. We, we came in and we were like, well, how many hours did you practice your part? And I'm like this many. And he's like, yeah, me yeah. too. And then, and then we practiced it together and we still didn't think we were ready. Right. But, but once, once, once it happens, it, it just, all of a sudden it's over and, and you're like, wow, yeah. that was so cool. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was really over, overwhelming, um, you know, to go and, you know, it, I was really fortunate. It was a, like a prime time it was 1 30 on wednesday yeah. and it was just like there was I, I mean it was it was really overwhelming there was people everywhere and you know i think we had like 200 people just sitting on the floor and they finally just had to sh shut yeah. the doors and like you know, fire sorry. hazard yes you know so so yeah and you're right you know and I, I i think that was you and i had talked i think about it in i think Probably it was, like yeah, it was maybe on the about road this time last yeah. year maybe yeah and 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 you had mentioned we were on the road this summer, and I, and we had talked a little bit. Maybe it was Grand National, Grand Nationals, or Indy, and you're like, you know, you got, do you have any advice? And he's like, practice, just practice it, practice it, and practice it, and practice it. And and I did, you know, I would I, since probably October, you know, I, I've, for me, I've I've done different parts of this one at different times, and so kind of, you know, put it all together. And I just took advice, and I think I probably spent an, you know, like an hour, like every Sunday. That was just like a part of my Sunday routine, like as I'm doing my laundry or whatever, you know, during March band season, instead of thinking about like all the stuff we still have to do this week, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go through my script and, you know, I'm going to kind of anticipate problems and where do I stumble and videotape myself and do it for my friends. And I did it for my students. And that was, Oh boy, that's, that was that's man, an audience. I, I tell you, you know, like, and, and it, well, and I guess, you know, it really was kind of the proof of, of the pudding of what I'm trying to teach is that they were able to give me like you know, A, we have a level of a trust, I think, but then B, there was, it was like they were brutally honest. They're like, like, you know, why are you stuttering? You never stutter, you know? And I was like, wow, oh, well, I guess I'm nervous. Okay, well, can we do it again then? And, you know, so like it was, they were great. So it was great. So your advice of just practicing it and, and being prepared and, you know, spending some time and, you know, the nice thing of, uh, you know, we are starting to be of a generation where we've been at Midwest a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is is seeing some of the great, you know, just taking some of the things that have been great from people, you know, and 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 trying to mix that into what I wanted to do, and, and you know, and then and then hopefully you just have something that resonates with the people that are in the room. It, it felt like it went really well, and I thought it was an important I, message. I really feel like the message of your your talk fits in really well with 
the social emotional development of students, which is a big deal these days. You know, we didn't used to talk about that. How, how healthy is our student, not musically, but as a person. And I think uh, that really dovetails well. Yeah, so. for sure. I, th I think it's, a, I think it's a big, it's a big component. And I think if you look at like the, well, I don't, I was, I was going to say the most successful programs, but I don't, I don't think that's fair. Cause I think, I think there's just people who are really doing it at a high level. And those are the programs where, you know, kids know they have a home you know, students just are, that's where they're at because they know they're taken care of as a person who is performing instead of a performer that, you know, it's only then about what, you know, what are those 11 minutes on the field? What do they look like? You know, and I, and, 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 and I, I would say in all honesty, you know, I've been on the other side of that, you know, like, and are my, our students in my ensemble, are they playing because they feel courage and they feel empowered and they feel like they have some ownership or are they playing because they don't want me to yell at them? You know, and that, that changes a big thing. And once, yeah, once you, once you do that, then that's, you know, how we really kind of connect and just, you know, you, you, if you put, if you give them the opportunity to do it, they'll do it probably better than you ever thought they could do it, you know? So that's just kind of what's been on my kind of talking points over the last maybe a couple of years is I've had a little bit of an opportunity, you know, to do it. And well, I hope more programs get a chance to bring you out through the thanks. Yamaha program or yeah. just for whatever. And, uh, I certainly value your friendship and respect yeah, you, you as a musician, and I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks, today. Jeff. It's been great. And, and if, for those of you that are maybe first-time listeners, just check it check it out. This is, a, this is a great resource, and make sure you check out Dynamic Marching. It's, it's just it's, I know uh, you know as a as a plug. Just I'm just gonna say as a plug. I remember when you first came out with it. And I was like, man, can I just check it out? And you were like, yep, just here you go. And it was it was just it. it to this day, there are things there are things in that that first DVD that I like. It's still part of every day. You know, like yep, we do that every day because of, of some of the I things that, that you've taught me. Yeah, you know, so thanks. it's great. So right back at you. Thanks for having me. Okay, have a great day. You too.